Welcome to NetFront Presence. I'm Jeff Gordon of the Post Dispatch, joined by Jim Thomas of the Post Dispatch, Episode One, Season Four, reigning Stanley Cup champions. JT, uh, how was your summer? It was short, but uh, it was it was good. I I know how to uh, get off the grid pretty quick when I'm off and get <laughs> get unproductive. So uh, uh, got that down to uh, a science. Uh, my goodness, Jeff Gordon, reigning Stanley Cup champions. Yeah. We're here on NetFront Presence. Talking about the defending champions, it's still, to me anyway, a little hard to believe. It is. I I struggle with really having it sink in all the way, and I got to say that I'll uh, I'll get I'll still get misty about thinking about all these fans. You know, the people I've been seeing uh, around different places since for me 1986, being around the, the team and and seeing these people out at Brentwood and before that out at Afton and out at Chesterfield and out at the Mills and then, you know, all the going back to the old arena and then coming over to Barbie's Playhouse there when they had the, the goofy uh, arena colors when they first moved downtown. It just think about all those people, you know, the Jack Quinns and the Mike Shanahan's and the people that aren't with us anymore who who did so many colorful, great things and, and tried so hard to help this franchise. So, yeah, it's just mind-blowing when you step back and think about the accomplishment. That parade, and, and you and I have been around the block a couple times on the sports scene, but that parade was unlike anything, anything I've ever seen, you know. One, no, one, no. one highlighted partially, and there were a million highlights, it depended by policemen, policemen just kind of smiling and looking the other way while uh, uh, then 19-year-old Robert Thomas was just, the fans were just pouring massive amounts of uh, malted beverages uh, Oh. down his throat it was it was a, it was an amazing thing and the players too all the players that I think uh other than maybe the the moment of winning the cup but everything that happened afterwards uh, so many of the players have commented about uh about the parade and you could see what it meant to St. Louis it was it was unbelievable and now Doug Armstrong wants to win again you know we we move right into the uh the new season and the new training camp returning everybody at the start but Pat Maroon and then the big trade Joel Edmondson for Justin Falk, a big upgrade on the blue line. And once again, JT uh, Armstrong, um, he goes for it. The team's going for it. It's, it's been my experience now three years. I guess I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a rookie uh, anymore, certainly, but uh, not a grizzled vet like you of the Hockey Wars. But uh, one thing I've learned about him, always expect the unexpected. He's a guy that never says never. And that trade wasn't even on my radar because I'm thinking they've got all seven defensemen back. Okay. You wonder about Edmondson, the signability, anytime things go to, to arbitration, which, which it did as an RFA, but it's like, where, where would they get the money to bring in anyone substantial? And lo and behold, as, uh, as part of the uh, negotiations, he gets the, uh, uh, the Hurricanes to pick up like uh, 14% mm -hmm. of the, the tab. And so, uh, uh, you know, uh, it amounts to almost 700000 and that gets the Blues cap compliant. Now, they're still... Going to be very tight. I wouldn't be shocked at all, uh, Jeff Gordon, if, if, if they had to uh, uh, start out the season with 22 and went with 22 players uh, to save uh, a, a little money. But, uh, uh, Jeff, what do, you, what do you think about Justin Falk, and, and uh, what do you know about his game? I watched uh, uh, practice today. He was part of the veterans group that stayed back in St. Louis while our colleague Tom Timmerman is up somewhere just – just south of the Arctic Circle up there in extreme <laughs> northern Michigan, your beloved yeah. home state there, Jeff. But uh, anyway, 
uh, and we're right on. We were right on the glass at uh, at Centene, and uh, yeah, that, that that puck comes off his stick pretty pretty quick. Yeah, he's uh, he's one of the better shooters uh, on the blue line. He's he's a guy that's logged a lot of minutes. He's he's in his prime. Not a top tier defenseman. He's he's not an Alex Petrangelo. He's not a uh, a Morgan Riley or a, a younger uh, Drew Doughty or Duncan Keith. But he's a he's a good player, and I think maybe a shade better overall than say uh, Kevin Shattenkirk, who was a, a offensive weapon here that the team missed when he moved on. But uh, you know they really believe in, you know, going into the season, as Doug Armstrong outlined at the uh, news conference announced after the trade that they can roll out now three balance lines. They don't or pairs of defensemen in the past they've had to shelter their third pairing uh there's usually um you know colton preco and jay bomeister would log heavy minutes checking alex petrangelo logging heavy minutes and then the third pairing would be used for instance uh you know maybe offensive zone starts depending on who who they were working back when vince dunn was in the third pairing just kind of shelter, you know, offensive zone starts keep people away from certain matchups well now they feel like they've got three groups that can start out in the defensive zone that can match up against anybody coming over the boards and and frankly not many teams have this kind of that kind of depth on on defense now they have four defensemen who scored 10 or more goals just last season on the same roster and last year you may recall that the blues set a franchise mark for the first time ever they had three defensemen have 10 plus goals in the same season and uh I'm guessing what happened in the preseason had very little impact on it, but two for 20, two for <laughs> 20 entering Kraft Hockey. It was like they were in Stanley Cup form here in the preseason uh, when they were one out of 18 and yet somehow uh, managed to win the uh, the Stanley Cup. So the, it, it, if you went into the season and you thought, okay, what looks like it may be the biggest uh, weakness or soft area of the team, it would have been the power play. Well, now not only do you have a new power play coach and a guy who excelled on the power play in his career and assistant coach Mark Savard, you've added another uh, strong power play guy in Justin Falk. Now, what does this do to Alex Petrangelo? Are he, is he going to get his minutes cut? Is, is he no longer going to be the point man on the power play? We'll, we'll soon find out. Yeah, there's a lot of options. Uh, you've got four guys that can man the point in the power play, and, and traditionally now teams are, uh, particularly with the first unit, are going with four forwards and one D-man. You know, Vince Dunn might have been the best peer operator uh, with the man advantage, but there was a bit of a high-risk, high-reward with him. Pareko's got the big shot. Alex Petrangelo's a good all-around offensive player, uh, solid guy, and then and now you had a guy that's got a great shot. So, a lot, as Doug Armstrong said, a lot of competition for spots on these units. Uh, you can not only put together two pretty good offensive, uh, pretty good power play units with some offensive ability, with these extra defensemen, you could probably put out a third power play unit that wouldn't be terrible because guys like Oscar uh, uh, Sundquist has, has proven to have some, some a little bit of uh, offensive juice. A guy like Ivan Barbashev has got a little bit of offense. You've got, you know, Sammy Blay is a uh-huh. younger uh-huh. guy, was an offensive player. Now he's more of a hit man, but he's trying to get that offensive side. You could put together all of the, just about the entire lineup. You could break it into different uh, units. Somehow, some way, they've got to find, out of all that competition, a much better unit with the man, man advantage. Well, one thing they're, they're stressing so much is to move the puck quickly and to take more shots. Now, 
we didn't see it Tuesday against uh, against Dallas, maybe in little flashes, but they've just got a they've got a uh, uh, Mark Savard calls it. Don't dust the puck off. Just shoot it. I've, oh. I've noticed. I've seen them in the what were like about two weeks into camp slash preseason. I've seen them work on one timers more in practice than I did in the entire maybe first my first two years on the beat. So you you gotta have you've gotta have to get set up for the one timers. You gotta move the puck quick. Put it on the net. Put it on the net. That's one thing we always joke about, Jeff. You and I and 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 uh, Tom Tim in the press box. A guy like Vince Dunn. He. He's never shy about shooting the puck. Uh, they need more guys like that. Well, as we sit here in the brand new studios for Netfront Presence, we've got a bright new uh, white walls, bright lights, new building for the Post-Dispatch, our new office here for Netfront Presence the, in the podcast studio. I think back to the old studio and how many times, virtually every episode, <laughs> where we said, look, you know, just move the puck and shoot the puck. You know, quicker movement, quicker uh, player movement, quicker puck movement, and just fire. And they've gone out and they hired. Now, they could have just listened to us and given us the money. We could have split what they're paying Savard. We would have just come in, played, <laughs> played a couple of our podcasts, yeah. and, you know, and that would have been it, man. They yeah. would have said, just listen, listen yeah. to us. Every week we're so talking what, we, about So we this. wouldn't even have had to show up. We could just play, play yeah, you clips. going on a rant and like put, any number of podcasts. We could give it to – we could send a download file to everybody on the team. They could listen to it at their leisure. Yeah. It yeah. was the same stuff we that said would, over and over again. It. So then they hire Mark Savard. What does he say? Well, <laughs> we got to move the puck and shoot the puck. Really? Well, there's a there's a novel thought. So what? Maybe for a tenth of a salary, we, we would have taken yeah, that as we would a, have, like we a would, finder's yeah. fee. Or sure, we, we got we had decent benefits here at the post dispatch. We didn't need the whole package, but uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Let's, let's at least you know. Let's... So we'll see how that works out and how uh, Justin Falk uh, fits in. Now, I've been told I'm not an expert on Falk. We've only seen him twice a year since he plays in you know since he played in in the East, but. Uh, you know, a hard shot, but a more accurate shot. Maybe not as hard of a shot as Pareko, but a more accurate shot. Pareko, sometimes still, although he's getting better, you never know where that thing is, is heading. But, uh, but with Falk, he, he can pick corners and stuff like that, and that'll, that'll, that'll be a great thing to see. Yeah, that's, uh, that's another issue for, and we're all big uh, Petro fans here, Alex Petrangelo. I think a long, to me, the most underappreciated blue. We, no longer because he's Stanley Cup champion. Anybody tries to not show... Alex Petrangelo appreciation. He can just not only show you the ring, but also point out that uh, hopefully they'll put a little C on that ring for him. Because, you know, Stanley Cup captain. But, and, you know, one thing he's not, he is the king of high and wide on that slapper. <laughs> so, yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's great to see that they, they bring in one more weapon. And, and just look and, at... And, and we'll see. Maybe maybe uh, the disease is contagious and all of a sudden Falk will start shooting Aaron shots. We, we can only hope that's not the case. But, but you know, I, I like the deal. I mean, they got him for a contract and initially the 6.5. Uh, you'd say that's a lot of money for him. But if you look at where salaries are going, particularly for defense, when you're seeing what comparable guys are getting, you know, he's an upper upper mid-level. He's in the upper middle class of, of D-men, mm-hmm. and that's where, where guys are getting. He's in his prime. Yeah, the couple last couple of years in that contract might be a little tough, but then the salaries at that point will probably be quite a bit higher. And so I think you went out and you got a guy at the right age. It was just a, a crime of opportunity. A lot of teams needed a D-man. The Blues didn't, but they went ahead and made the deal for the best available guy in the market. I'd say he is, to me, a better get at this point in his career, given his experience, than, than Ristolainen and Buffalo, who also is probably going to get moved, Rasmus Ristolainen. So great get. And now, when teams look at the Blues, they see not only a team that finished, obviously had a great run, it came last, blah, blah, blah. But this is a talented team. This team's good. This, this is a deep team and a, very impressive on the blue line. 
Yeah, yeah. Now you, your three right-handers, uh, Pareko, Petro, Falk. I mean, that's that's uh, pretty impressive. And Justin Falk is a hungry player. He went his entire career. I believe this is his ninth season, but his first seven seasons, he didn't get a sniff of the playoffs. Not mm. one playoff game. Not quite the Jay Bowmeister went a whole decade earlier in his career, but pretty close. And so he reaches the Eastern Conference Finals with Carolina. Now he's going to the defending Stanley Cup champs, a team that is uh, returning basically its entire roster intact. So he's he's he he is going to he. If you have any fears that some Blues may be complacent, and and uh, and we'll see. I don't think that'll be the case. But Justin Falk will not be complacent. He can see the finish line with this team. Yeah, and I think the other what I like about his addition, you know, if you'd gotten him um, earlier. When the, the, the Hurricanes weren't very good. And some of it was that Kerry Cam Ward was a god-awful goaltender. They gave up a lot of goals. They were behind a lot. His plus-minus was terrible. But if you look at now that he's gone through what happened last year in Carolina, where they, they caught a little magic, and then they got rolling, and they accomplished a lot of things. You know, you really, your game, when you're going through an experience like that, everybody's game is elevated. Everybody picks up. Everybody gathers up. And he went through that process. So his game should be in a good place. If you go back a year ago, before all, the, all that success they had under Rod Brindamore, the, made the, the deep playoff run, the way that group came together, you know, maybe you're thinking, eh, I don't know about Justin Falk's game. But I think after last year, what he went through, the fact he was able to succeed with that group, sets him up well to come in here. He's not coming from a, a mess of an organization where he's got to unlearn a lot of terrible habits. Mm-hmm. He picked up a lot of good habits last year with the way the Hurricanes were playing. Yeah, no no doubt, no doubt about it. And uh Again, he should be a hungry player. It's interesting, too, he alluded. He kind of came right up to the line but stopped short of calling the, the Hurricanes a frugal organization because yeah. he mentioned Eric Stahl and other people that have left. You saw Jeff Skinner uh, up in Buffalo and had a great season there, and uh, I think this was nothing more than a case where they didn't want to pay the guy, and they, they had some other guys, some young guys, and and so uh, off he goes. And uh, uh, one thing about the Blues, they, they will uh, – they will pay people. It's weird because Tom Dundon, he, he crapped away uh, a fortune on uh, that, uh, whatever that that football league was. The, AAA, uh, the Alliance. The, uh, yeah, the, yeah. yeah. Well, he just crapped away a lot of money on that. And then, and then you know, obviously people in the league wondered if he was, if he had cash because the way he won, you know, things like the Falk, he wasn't, Falk was getting nowhere in his deal. So they, you know, Montreal makes that pitch for Ajo, which really wasn't a very big number pitch, no. thinking that they might no. get him out of there. No. And obviously, Carolina managed to, to re-sign Ajo, but it just shows you the owner's weird. You know, it just is. Yeah. For a while, I mean, Don Waddell, the GM, was interviewing for other jobs. Didn't have a contract for this year. And finally, he got a contract. Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's just something weird about that. And I, I don't think that – in Falk, the other thing he's leaving, he grew up in St. Paul, hockey, state of hockey. Now he's coming to an area that's a little more vibrant. I mean, uh-huh. Carolina enjoyed the run that their team had, the storm surge and all that, those hijinks. That, but this is hot, more hockey country. Well, and, and, and that happened only as the season went on. And uh, I, I was joking in the, in the press box that the, uh, you know, the preseason crowd, what was it, 10, 12, 12 grand at uh, Enterprise. At the, that's this, that was like for all of his career, a Carolina regular season crowd that he was seeing. So, yeah, he's coming to much more of a hockey town and he's a midwestern guy he mentioned that on the conference call with us uh anaheim you know he was linked to anaheim earlier and uh, he's not an la type of guy so he's this is this is a uh, going to be a setting that that he's going to like uh, uh the midwest st louis he's not that far from uh from st paul 
And uh, so I, I think he's very, very happy to be here. Now let's look at some of the other storylines of the preseason. It's not been an overly dramatic preseason. Uh, I guess we'll start with one of the, uh, I would say, a mildly disappointing story. Uh, the Blues did need Jordan Cairo to be a big star coming out of the gate this year, but there's still a lot of anticipation that this young man could be something special, uh, could be a, a, a big-time weapon, a Brock Besser, maybe even an Alex Dabrinkat someday. We're seeing these good young forwards have an impact in the league and unfortunately suffers a knee injury last year for San Antonio and a very good year in the American Hockey League, and, they, and he's just not going to be ready to start the season. Yeah, and I, I, t- I talked to him today, and we'll have a blog or uh, something online or in newspaper, very, very short order within maybe even today, but the next day or two. But uh, just kind of a fluky thing, and, and, and he was playing very well. People that saw him play in San Antonio said he just, he just stood out, as Dick Vermeil would say. His play was glaring how good he was, at least in the A, in the American. But uh, a guy, uh, Stick, gets caught uh, – between Kairu's legs, Kairu turns and spins awkwardly and just taps the kneecap. And, and uh, uh, Kairu said he thought, you know, may, maybe I'll miss a week or two. It didn't feel that bad. It wasn't searing pain. And then it's, it's, then it's a kneecap. And this, this happens in, like, late March. There's only, like, eight or nine games left in the San Antonio season. Then about a week later, he has a surgery done in St. Louis by the, by the Blues uh, uh, team doctors in uh, – uh, in early April, and uh, he's close to being ready to practice. And but I, in talking today, he said he doesn't quite have that top gear. He looks pretty quick to me on the ice. Now he started uh, for for the first week or so. He was just practicing with himself and prospect T- Tanner Kaspik, who had a concussion, and for a brief amount of time, Robert Thomas coming back from the wrist. Now Thomas is fine, by the way. He's in the lineup tonight in the Hockeyville game, so that's great to see. But, uh, yeah, so Cairo, very disappointing. He was one guy, a lot of people, we maybe even said it on uh, Netfront Presence near the end of last season, that he's a guy, he's going to make a big push or he's got to be on the roster. Well, it's not going to happen now. Right. He's probably not going to be ready for the start of San Antonio season, but he's got to go down there. And I remember talking to him last year, just how determined he seemed, I want to make this roster. This was a year ago he's saying this. And he actually did. He had a great Traverse City tournament, scored a hat trick, I believe, in the last game there against the Rangers prospects. And then – had a very good preseason and was on the Blues roster for maybe the first 10, 12 games of the season. Then then he was sent down for a while. But he's determined to make the roster. So, you know, it had to be very frustrating for him. But he's gotten about, oh, 10, 15 pounds heavier. And, it, you know, it's uh, they talk about the, the hockey term is man strength. He, we can all that saw him, at least at this level, he needs to be stronger on the puck. And, and he is now. He, he's, he's up to about 185, 190. And, uh, you know, maybe there'll still be some adjustments there in terms of hanging on to the puck, but he's a guy, he's determined to, when he's healthy and going this year, to make the big roster and stay with the Blues the, the rest of the season. Now, where that spot is, Jeff Gordon, I don't know, because uh, there's, there's a lot of players back, and Clem Costin's had a very, very strong camp, although, and, and you were there, you were at uh, Enterprise uh, Tuesday night, uh, was kind of quiet in that game, but then again, there were like 800 power plays, and, and he's not, he, yeah, he really didn't yeah. get much power play time, so not much five on five time for Clem. Well, and the good news, that, that's a, another interesting story because fans were getting impatient. They heard a lot about him, and forgetting that he was so young playing in the A, not only his first year, but his second year, he's still one of the youngest guys in the American Hockey League. We saw what he could do at the World Juniors besides score, he could also be irritable. 
and because uh, he, he's he likes to win, and he didn't yeah. much appreciate the consolation prize no. at all. No, <laughs> no, sir. He was a sore loser, which he I was, don't necessarily dislike. Nah, at all. I, yeah. He earned Barube points. He's enormous. He's irritable, <laughs> and uh, he's going to be a player. And he shows you that he's got the finish. He scored some preseason goals, so. I would think he gets more time in San Antonio. They want to see him do what, what Jordan Cairo did offensively in, in the HL, which is really be an impact guy. Uh-huh. And once you're that, you don't want to settle into that. Uh, you don't want to be Dmitry Yashkin settling into a, a supporting cast role. You don't want to – 100 years ago, the great Herb Raglan was 18. He was a, he was a big, muscular guy <laughs> well, that could hit. not quite 100, right? Close. close. Okay. And, you know, they've had – you know, go back – Herb Raglan, Jocelyn and Mew back in the day when I was covering the team were more, you know, you go guys that were in push too soon. Physically, they were thick enough to, to play, but you got to learn to play the whole game and also learn to develop the offensive side. So you know, we, we saw that if he can develop that offensive confidence and it's there, if he can do it against men and he comes up here, both he and Kairou could be top six guys. I mean, yeah. you don't want him settling for a bottom six role. No, no, he's, he's, if this, the the old saying, if he's up here, he's got to be getting minutes. Uh, Doug Armstrong said an interesting thing too about Cairo. He think uh, thinks Cairo's game will be better suited to the NHL because the NHL is more structured. Jeffrey, you know about the you know the American League. It's it's kind of a it's unstructured. I mean, players are they're not worrying about setting up their teammate as much as I want to get up to the NHL. Right. So a little selfish, uh, uh, less structured and. He's probably going to pout or sulk a little bit, Clem Costin, when he when he goes down, because it's been it's been two years. But uh, uh, I I think he's shown enough that he'll be up. He's also shown that he can potentially kind of fill that Pat Maroon role. I I, I mean the, the three road games he uh, uh, to start the preseason, he'll get in further than that. He'll work the corners. He'll hit people. He still takes silly penalties. And, and he admitted it. So he's got to cut down on that. But it, we haven't seen it here. But in, in the American League, he was more than willing to drop the gloves. And we know fighting isn't as big a part. But you've now lost your your, your, your two defections, so to speak, from, from the Blues now, Edmondson and uh, Maroon. Those were your top two fighters in terms of number of fights. Right. And so a guy like Costin should step in. You can see, too, he's he's a pretty strong pretty strong fella now. He's, he's not going to get pushed around. Too much now. I don't know if he'll be able to do the trash talking that Pat Pat Maroon has no. gotten. So uh, got a little bit of a reputation for that, uh, 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 and and maybe Clem's got it in it. Is, is English still a work in progress though? So maybe he can trash talk the Russians right now. But Did you see know. where uh, speaking of trash talk, you see where Pat already went uh, cup ring. Yeah, to Nashville, right? They're yeah, playing yeah. Nashville. Already went cup ring. It's yeah. a preseason. Maybe you got to yeah. go cup ring uh, and point to your, your you finger. You got to yeah. love that about that. The, pride <laughs> the of big rig. Yeah. Getting at yeah. it now. Another comeback story, and it's hard to, to assess. Clearly, he's skating well, but he's got to make more happen. That's Robbie Fabry. Long road back, trying to get that offensive game back. What seems like 10 years ago, he was an offensive prospect. Now he's skating. You see some jump. That's a good element to have in the league. But I guess we're still waiting to see whether he can make it all the way back and whether he can find a spot in this group. Yeah, yeah. Boy, the first game at Dallas, his first, like that first period, so, some of the, the, the plays he made in terms of just displaying speed. It was mm-hmm. like he was shot out of a rocket. And he still, he's shown flashes I, uh, of that. Obviously, and, and he, he's, he's got to start scoring. He's also... Hasn't been afraid. I mean, not that he's like a, to a Klim Costin degree or whatever, but, you know, there have been a few times where he's gone into the corners and hit somebody and, and whatnot, which he didn't do a whole lot last year, especially 
after that shoulder injury. Remember that, mm-hmm. besides the knee issues, uh, happened in early December, sidelined him for about uh, a month. So that's the kind of, as, as I look at this, expecting Costin to go down to the, the American League, at least at the start of the season. Okay, now Robert Thomas is back, and unless he has a setback, he's on that third line. So who replay, who gets the Pat Maroon spot? Will it be Robbie Fabry? Will it be Sammy Blay? I think that's the only thing right now, mm-hmm. other than how are you divvying up these defensive minutes, what the power play is going to look like with the addition of Falk. That's kind of the one question that's hanging over the Blues. And Sammy Blay's looked very good, and he, he looks like he's starting to kind of get that that offensive game back that uh, that he he's, he's displayed you know in the in the in the minor leagues but hadn't hadn't hasn't really shown that much at all here uh, with the big club. Well, the puck does follow him around, and he did the hard part. He proved that he can run over people and consistently play that earning Berube points as you yeah, call. Yeah, yeah, I, I like it's that. It's hard way to hard way to play the game, and he plays the game the hard way. And we know that he's got that ability coming up through. Mm-hmm. He he wasn't a rough a, a ruffian. He was a guy that scored, and he's got the strength to do that. And uh, and the touch and the feel and the sense, the instincts. To do he's a big all. guy. He's bigger than you think. He's a big guy now. And so I, you know, it depends on what do you want. I mean, maybe they alternate. I mean, Fabry can help you on the forecheck by getting there, and he is a, a puck hunter, and he can be tenacious and have that edge to him. Or Blay, who can run through people and also get to the net and cause havoc when he gets in there and, and, and just, again, make plays around the net. So, you know, Robbie, more dangerous off the rush. Sammy probably more effective when you're in a, in a sustained offensive zone time, grinding situation. Two, uh, two different guys, really, but yeah. Yeah. both guys on that cusp are trying to get there. Now, here's one other thing I'll throw out there, too. Zach Sanford, the lines are pretty. The fourth line is pretty much set. Barbashev, Sunquist, and Steen. Occasionally, Barbashev will be center. Sometimes, Sunquist will be in there. We know Schwartz, Shen, Tarasenko, that's how the season will start. We just talked about the third line. The second line, Sanford, O'Reilly, and Perron. Sanford started out early, had a nice, I think it was a power play goal, maybe the first or second game, but he's, he's kind, of, kind of been uneven in, in, in camp. He's been okay, but not great. Is that an opportunity for someone like Fabry or Blay, where maybe one's playing a top six uh, line, playing, playing on the O'Reilly line, and and one's playing on the uh, a third line. So that's that's one other thing to look at as well. Well, if, let's put it this way. If I'm uh, Zach Sanford's agent, I'm saying, okay, here's the thing. You're, you're one of the bubble guys, and there are a lot of forwards. And we know that uh, you know Jordan's got to start down in San Antonio. Clem's going to start in San Antonio. Both guys, I think, are going to play in the NHL this year. Uh, this team is up against the cap. Uh, you're a, a guy with a million and a half on the, it's not a giant cap hit, but it's, it's got well, it's cap, it 1, 1.25. I yeah. Think. So yeah. it's, it's got that little bit of a relief to the cap more so than a guy who's making 800, 900,000, just Which a little Fabry, bit more. Fabry's 800,000 right. or 900. So, I mean, he's going to be a guy that he's going to have to play well, or else he's going to be one of the guys in that big crowd of guys that they have to decide how many can they keep. You know, they want to keep most of these guys because they don't know what's going to happen to Braden Shan and Alex Steen is, uh, Alexander Steen is getting to the end of the, towards the end of the road here. But they have a lot of guys. And at some point, at some point, you know, you're going to have guys sitting around. And you got a guy like McCacker who can come up and play a straight line game as well in, in your mix. I'm just saying, if I'm, if I'm representing Saka, he's got to make a move or else he's going to be vulnerable to the, all the competition and the fact that at some point, 
I see this team moving it forward just to create a little extra space for, for injuries and such. Yeah, I would think it would be kind of a short leash for uh, Zach Sanford, especially. You're, you're, you're in pretty valuable real estate playing with O'Reilly. Now, Sanford's another guy who knew going into the offseason what he needed to, to uh, work on. And, again, it, it, was, it was strength, although a, a different body type than Kyra, much bigger. But, but you could tell he had the, as Torrey Holt called him, his, his name for uh, biceps, uh, the David Bostons. He's got a little bit of the David Bostons going from uh, weightlifting Zach Sanford. So Hopefully not that far, though. No, no, I mean, no. David no. might have got carried away. Yes, yes, a little bit. But but uh, he knows he's got to be stronger on the puck as well, and and he should be a big, strong guy. He's a he's a big fella. He's not a, a you know a hundred eighty five pounder like Kairu. I mean, he's a guy that probably should play two fifteen, two twenty. And still, there, though, there have been times in the in, in the preseason here where I'm like, come on, you got you, you got you got to win that puck battle in, in in the corner. So Sanford knows what to do. It's just. Uh, uh, a case of now you've got to do it or at least do it more consistently. Right. At his size, with his reach and all that, he's got to be a puck control guy in the offensive zone. It's uh, work along walls, sustain puck possession, sustain pressure, and eventually, you know, get to get yourself in a position, as he did in this Game 7 of Stanley Cup Final, where you're there. If the if the play breaks, if a guy like, in this case, Prawn beats two guys and, and, and draws the, the attention of a third guy and then throws the puck across it, you can put that thing home. We know he's got the ability to do that. He's not going to score a ton off the rush, so he's got he's being, a, again, a bigger frame potentially to fill that out. He's got to play that strong game, that puck control game. Everybody's going to have to contribute in some fashion to that control game. Uh, in the offensive zone, and, and that's going to be his thing. You know, again, Cairo, Fabry, some of these other guys are better off the rush. Zach, you got to go out there and, and become noticeable. Win those, win two, three puck battles mm-hmm. uh, on this shift. Do it again the next shift. Yeah, or if not, you could now. see you could see maybe Sammy Blay up there in that role, or uh, you know maybe month or two uh, could be Clem Costin. I think Clem Costin could, could could probably play a pretty good power game. He's a North player. North South player, if you will, and uh, so yeah, I think I, th- I think Zach knows what what's going on here. Well, we didn't talk about the goaltending on the first episode, but there's no need to. Jordan Bennington's back. Dude wore uh, sunglasses to the ESPYS. Apparently, wearing sunglasses at night on occasion. He said, yeah. just like the rappers in the NBA. Yeah. I like that he's still. I'm I'm kind of like his setup man. I'm kind of like Dean Martin to Jerry Lewis. He yeah. I like that he's still willing to play that game when I ask him about that. He said, "Well, I, you see the NBA players and the rappers. I think it suits me. What do you think? You know." So <laughs> so I, I like that he's he's still in that mode. And he had a, a heck of a cup party, <laughs> and he was but, proud of it. Yeah. I don't know if you saw on Instagram. He asked, uh, "What is it, Phil Philip Pritchard, the uh, keeper of the cup?" And who's been doing this for 20 years? He said, "How would you rate this?" And 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 Pritchard told him top five. All right. And, uh, so he, uh, we got a goaltender. Jordan Bennington was uh, he was very very pleased that, to know that he got a top five ranking. From the media the, from the can we? Is this guy going to be a media darling? We got a. We haven't had a as a media in terms of goaltenders. We've had some. It's been dry. You know, Jake's. You know, I love Jake, but he's he not not. You know, it's not not a good, honest not sincere, but yeah, yeah. yeah Carter yeah. Hutton was great, but we yeah. don't have him anymore in St. No. Louis. If he was Chad Johnson, you could never shut him up, and, and yeah, but, that but didn't why, last. But why would you want to talk to him, <laughs> right? So, but and I think some media are uh, because he goes into the uh, the the uh, like the Stone Cold uh, Bennington with the short answer or whatever. I think some media are a little intimidated by it. It's just. He likes to be challenged in press conference, and he, he kind of likes the games. He's, he's just different. Have you ever met a goaltender that was normal? I mean, no, have you met no. one? 
Uh, we've seen some weirdos, John Casey. <laughs> weirdos. If you, if you're listening, <laughs> I haven't heard John, that one in a while. You yeah. got to admit, John, after the game, you were a little weird. Uh, you know, Roman Turk, he was just uh, yeah. Big pile of depression. But Jordan's down the spectrum a bit, and he's, 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 he's yeah. yeah so. There you go. So, all right. Well, this is it for this episode of uh, Netfront Presence, a very interesting preseason. Uh, our heroes are getting ready for the regular season. We'll be doing this all year. Jim yeah. Thomas, Tom Timmerman, myself will be rotating through on, on our line shifts. But we're here at the beautiful new studio. Uh, yeah. DJ Gary Harrelson, our executive producer, uh, taking pictures. Of hey, did he get a promo? Is he senior executive producer? Uh, yeah, I think it, uh, when we yeah. came over to the new place, senior yeah. executive producer. Yeah. And we have a special section coming out, a preview section uh, Sunday. Jeff, you're all over it. Uh, uh, d- d- did like 7,000 uh, inches of, uh, of previews. Yeah, we own. have the capsules for the uh, each team and uh, columns and uh, features. And uh, JT, you're, what's going to be your best contribution to the special section? I just I got away pretty clean. Just one, uh, one, one story, just kind of an overview. Uh, and uh, kind of the theme is uh, mm-hmm. repeating. And uh, once is not enough for these guys. They, w- they want to do it again. There you go. And we want to do it again here on Netfront Presence. Until next time, I'm Jeff Gordon. That's Jim Thomas for executive, uh, senior executive producer, DJ Gary Harrelson. Until next time, see you.